Equipping today's college students to make their four years count for eternity. This is the Campus Outreach Podcast. It's good to be with y'all. I drove about an hour north from Carrollton, Georgia. I work at the University of West Georgia uh, for CO, but I've been making this drive lots and lots of times. Hey, believe it or not, they almost didn't let us in. Uh, we got pulled over by the Barry police coming in because we, we didn't, like, register that we were coming to the CO meeting. Does that sound familiar? Okay. So they, they were tight on us. We, we just looked like trouble. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this. I don't know you too well, um, but I've heard, you know, that Barry is a stellar, you know, college, and we've got people coming from all over the place to attend the Barry College. So how many in this room are from in-state? You're from the state of Georgia. Okay. That's most of you. How many of you are from a state that touches Georgia? So that could be Tennessee, Alabama, okay, maybe a Carolina. How many of you, like, go beyond that? You're from farther away, okay? Do we have anybody from, like, the Northeast, New York, East Coast? There we go. Anybody from the West Coast? Okay, there we go. You from Cali? Yeah, Cali born? Okay, you got to be cool. I got to talk to you after, okay? Uh, let, let me ask you this. Is anybody international? So you're not even, you're from another country. Where are you from, man? Hungary. Hungary. That's what I'm talking about. What city? Hey, let, let's make some noise, yeah. Okay, Hungary. Can, can anybody top that? Anybody else had to get an airplane to come to Barry? No? Okay, so we've got international scholars here in the room. Now, now here's what's really interesting. Most of you came from Georgia. Some of you came from different states. And we even got one guy from another country. But think about it. Two, three weeks ago, we all had the same experience. Uh, you were packing your bags, you were getting your luggage, you were getting your suitcase, you were making that last Walmart or Target run with mom, getting the school supplies, and then eventually you got your car packed, okay, you hopped in the driver's seat, you waved goodbye to mom and dad, and then what did you pull out? You got your smartphone, you got your GPS, and every single person in this room, unless you flew from Hungary, all right, punched in 2277 Martha Berry Highway, is that right? Okay, nailed it. But it's really interesting that some of you drove north, south, east, west. Some of you probably came from like country towns in South Georgia, and you took like gravel roads and dirt roads to get here. Some of you came from Atlanta, and you were stuck in 285 traffic for 30 minutes just to get here, and you were stressed. I mean, y'all took highways and byways. You crossed bridges. You took all sorts of roads, but it all took you to the same place. Berry College. And and that really is what GPS does, does it not? GPS is designed where no matter where you go, what progress you make, what road you decide to take, whether you turn left or right, it's pointing you towards a destination. It's taking you one step, one mile closer to to your preferred location, which in this case is your college. Well, here's the question I want to pose tonight. Did you know that just like your car has a GPS, Your heart actually has a GPS. Your heart has a GPS, and it is hardwired. It's internal. It was actually created by God himself, not to move you to a physical location on a map, not to move you to a city, not to move you to a dorm or a college. You are hardwired by your creator to seek one thing and one thing only. You want to know what it is? It's fulfillment. It's satisfaction. It's joy. And the word we're going to use this evening is happiness. We're going to talk about happiness. Now, I know you guys are private school scholars, 
So I had to break out some philosophers. So I've got a French philosopher named Blaise Pascal. Okay, there's our GPS. Let's go to the next one. You may have heard of Blaise. We got any philosophy majors in the room? Here we go, front row. You're going to love this. Here's what Pascal has to say. And he's saying the exact same thing as me, but he's doing it in a very academic way. He says this, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. This is the cause of some going to war and others avoiding it. It is the same desire in both, attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, even those who hang themselves. Do you understand what Blaise Pascal was saying? He's saying just what I said. He's saying, you know what motivates everybody? It's happiness. Believe it or not, happiness motivates some people to go to war. Because what gives them joy is maybe being a patriot, it's love of country, or it's defending their rights or promoting freedom. But it also motivates some people to avoid war. Because what they love or what makes them happy is comfort, being away from a battle, okay, avoiding the flying bullets. Do you see this? Same motivation causes some men to run to the front lines and some men to run, some men to run away from it. And this is, this is pretty radical, but he says, this is even the motive of some people hanging themselves or even making the unfortunate, tragic, awful decision to end their life. Because unfortunately, sometimes people in, in, in a moment of depressive weakness just say I want to end the pain I want to stop the suffering I just want to be happy and unfortunately they they make a very bad decision but the point he's trying to make is this okay the reason why you came to this meeting is what you want to be happy and maybe happiness was learning about God maybe happiness was being in the room with that good-looking girl or that good-looking guy or maybe happiness is just coming with people from your dorm but that's what motivates everything Okay, now you might be thinking to yourself, my microphone's unscrewing, okay, we'll we'll make it work. Um, You might think to yourself, well, Ben, you don't know me, okay, I'm a hard worker, I'm a grinder, I do hard things just because they're tough, I don't give a rip about happiness. And I would just say this, you actually care about happiness, but what you figured out is you're living for happiness in the long term as opposed to instant gratification, And can I just say this? I bet we got a lot of freshmen. It's a new year. It's a new semester. Do do you know the secret of success? The secret of academic success? The secret of professional success? If you actually read literature on success, they say this. Self-discipline is the key to success. You know what self-discipline is? Self-discipline is to live in light of what you want most rather than what you want now. This is like free life advice from an old guy right here. So let me explain this. Each and every day, I'm faced with countless decisions. And I can can either do what I want most or what I want now. Let me just walk you through my day. This morning, my alarm goes off before 6 a.m. What do I want now in that moment? I want what? I want more sleep. I want it snooze three times. But what do I want most? I want a vibrant relationship with God. So you know what I do? I get out of bed. I pour some coffee. I open my Bible, I meditate, I pray. You understand? Okay. Last night, I get home after a long day of work on campus. What do I want now? I want to watch SportsCenter. I want to scroll on Instagram. I want to check out. But what do I want most? Okay, I want to connect with my kids, my four-year-old and my seven-year-old. So we have bath time 
and I read the same book for the hundredth time because what I want most in life, okay, is to connect with my children. And every day you're faced with the same decision, are you not? Okay, do I binge Netflix or do I read a book? What do you want most? What do you want now? Do, do I scroll on my phone or do I get a good night's rest? What do you want most or what do you want now? Do I eat pizza or vegetables? And here's the thing, okay? Researchers, have, they've studied the military. They've studied the classroom. They've studied CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, professional athletes. And, and the number one predictor of success is this concept of self-discipline. So this is good news, okay? Success has very little to do with your IQ, with your GPA, with your SAT. It's all about self-discipline. Self-discipline really is the bridge between who you are now and who you want to be one day. So the point I'm making is this. You might be super disciplined. You might be undisciplined. But we're still motivated by what? Happiness. We all want to be happy. So here's the million-dollar question. Where do we find it? Where is the true source? Where is that point on a map where we can have guaranteed perfect eternal fulfillment? Well, here's historically how Americans have answered this question. I don't know how a Hungarian would answer this question, but this is what Americans tend to think. Americans tend to think you can find happiness in three areas. What I do, second, what I own, and then third, what people think about me. Let's take this first one, what I do. So this is your job. This is your career, okay? Uh, you, you, you probably, you know, have career aspirations, Anybody here like pre-med, I want to be a doctor? Okay, we got any lawyers in the house? I'm going to law school. Maybe you want to coach. How many of you want to be like TikTok famous? Okay, there we go. We got one in the back. Okay, maybe you just want to go viral. What about this one? Who, who wants to run their own business and just be an entrepreneur? Oh, there's some hands. That's actually the number one preferred career of Gen Z. Did you know that? Okay, because you guys don't like bosses. You don't appreciate authority. Okay, so I'm just going to start my own company. We'll see how that works out for you one day. Um, but do you see this? American culture is built, it, the, the whole mindset of Americans is we live to work. We exist to work. So, for example, when you're meeting people here at Berry College, usually you say, hey, what's your name? And then you ask what? What's your major? What's your hometown? After you graduate, you will get the same second question anywhere you go. People will say, what's your name? And guess what the second question is, always is in America? It's what? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And that is very American. You go to different parts of the world, they'll say, tell me about your family. Or tell me about your culture. Or tell me about your tradition. Okay? But Americans, we're all about doing. And when we embrace this full cell as our worldview... We cease to function as human beings and we become what? Human doings. Our life is measured by our productivity. So second, then we look to what I own. What I own. Anybody got a pair of J's like that? Okay. There we go. We, we, we got a sneaker head up front. Okay. So it might be something big. You're like, I want that, I want that beach house. I want that mountain home. Right? Y'all are more into mountains at Barry. I want the lake house. I want the jewelry, I want the vehicle, the country boys want the jacked up truck, some of you guys want the Dodge Charger, or it could just be something small. 
You're like, I'm out of swipes already at Chick-fil-A. I just want more money on my account. Uh, it could be I want a new pair of shoes. I want a new pair of leggings. But we tend to think, okay, that if I could just own something, buy something, purchase something, okay, then I'll be happy. So w- when somebody finds their happiness in what they do, they live to work, okay? When somebody finds their happiness in what they own, they work to live. Work becomes a means to an end, just so I can acquire more possessions. Well, what does Jesus think about this? He says this, don't lay up treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. He says, lay up treasure in heaven. And here's the point, okay? Whatever piece of clothing you buy, it's going to go out of style. Whatever vehicle you purchase, eventually it's going to run its course. Whatever video game you're so excited about, just wait till next year, okay? Everything you purchase, think about the last big purchase you made, that back-to-school shopping. You got that great shirt, that great pair of shoes, your favorite jeans. Well, guess what? You'll be selling those on Poshmark in just one year. They'll be in the Goodwill pile in at least two years. At the very least, they'll be in the back of your closet. Moth and rust destroy. Okay, possessions can't make you happy. And then finally, we go to this. What others think? What others think? This is just our image, our reputation, how people perceive us. I want to be popular. I want to be attractive. I want to be cool. Now, in the past, okay, I I, I just got a card in the mail asking me to come celebrate my 20th college reunion. I'm like, wow, that makes me feel old. And we use language like this. The big man on campus, you know, the it guy, Mr. Popular. We don't use that language anymore. Now it's about, you know, this person's an influencer. Do you know how many followers they have? They've gone viral. This whole image thing, okay, it plays out on a screen today. But the Bible would say this, is that if you're seeking the approval of man, it's actually impossible to be a follower of God. And, And here's the dirty truth of living for clout and reputation, the more popular you get, that means more people like you, but at the same time, it invites more what? More dislike, more hate, more envy. So to the best of my ability, and keep in mind, I'm like an old middle-aged guy, I was like, who is the most well-liked person in America? Okay, Who's the most well-liked person in America? And then I remembered, um, you know, Darrell's here. If you've ever met Darrell's amazing wife, Kendra, she's a die-hard Taylor Swift fan. Did you know that? Oh, my God. Okay. Hard to believe. Now, can, can, can I just make a confession real quick? Okay. And, I, and I'm going to do a little, like, marital counseling, you know, with men's after this. But I asked, you know, Kendra told me she went to a Taylor Swift concert, and it was the best day of her life. I'm like, what about your wedding, you know? So we're going to talk about it later. But, but, you know, like Taylor Swift, every time she sings, she makes $13 million. All right, she's selling out the bins all weekend. All right, sold out worldwide tour. And I was like, surely she doesn't have any haters. Okay, shows what I know. Let's go to the next slide. Okay. But she had to write a whole song about what? People are going to hate, 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 hate. The more they love you, the more popular you become, the more envy, the more jealousy, and the more hate. We, we, we can't live for image, and we can't live for the reputation of others. And so here's what's happened. Are you guys starting to identify with some of these things? D- don't you just feel this? You feel this pressure? 
in college or, or watching TV or just scrolling through social media. And so here's what starts to happen, just as Americans. We come to college and we think college is all about this. Let's go to the next slide. We, we've come to college because we want to be happy. And so we have full self be, uh, bought into this idea that if I'm going to be happy, I've got to make good grades. Anybody feel that? All right? I've I got to keep my 3.0. I've got to keep my 4.0. Some guys are like, C's get degrees. Whatever it may be, okay, i got to make good grades. And then second, i got to build a resume. Isn't this true at Barry? So i got to find, you know, one organization is just not good enough. Okay? i got to find at least three or four. got to be on exec. And, and I've just got to be busy, busy, busy so I can fill my resume when I graduate. So eventually I can sell myself to the highest bidder. In other words, start my career, and then I'll be happy. Okay? Do you guys feel that? You probably feel that to some degree. And here's the thing. We want to jump in a career that can either, okay, where I can find a job that will satisfy me or find a job that will give me enough money to buy what I want, or I can find a career where people think highly of me. Well, here's the question. How's this working out for us? What do you guys think? How's it working out for us? Let me just sum it up in one word. For for this generation, it has been a disaster. It's been a disaster. There we go. Here's some stats. Just on on, uh, our generation, on average, we have over $10,000 of credit card debt. Okay, Because we want to own things. On average, we spend eight hours a day in front of a screen. Do you know this today? In America, you're more likely to die of suicide than going to war. You're more likely to lose yourself to obesity rather than starvation. You know what's at an all-time high? Anxiety, stress, depression. You know what's at an all-time low? Our level of happiness. In this generation, so every man and woman who's sitting in this room has the most money in their pocket, they have the most free time, and they're living in a time of relatively peace, relative peace. And yet today, do you know what the number one, oh, I buried the lead right there. The number one prescription in America is today, antidepressant. So here's the question I want to put before you. Maybe our GPS, or maybe this American GPS, it isn't taking us to happiness. It's taking us somewhere else. And it's leading us to a location where we're not full of eternal, abounding joy. It's leading us to a location where we say, I need a prescription because I'm depressed and I'm anxious. Maybe there's a better way. Well, students, I want to suggest a new way to approach college. Let's go to the next slide. And it's this. Instead of making college all about making good grades, how about you make good friends? Instead of building your resume, build your character. And instead of selling yourself, maybe give yourself away. Let me explain. See, we tend to think like college is all about making these big decisions. And that's what matters most in life. You know, do I live in Dana or Mountain Campus? That's a big decision. What's my major going to be? What's my career going to be? Should I date this person? Should I propose? Should I get married? Should I take this job? Should I live in this city? We think those are life's most important decisions. Can I just say this? 
Okay, one of the most important decisions you will make over the next four years is who you surround yourself with. And I would just suggest make good friends. Make good friends. Because your friends are your future you. You will become the sum average of your five closest friends here at Barry. If you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It is so important to build a healthy community of people that you like, but also people you want to be like, who challenge you, who push you, who encourage you to be a better person. Okay, so first, make good friends. Second, instead of building your resume, build your character. See, our generation is obsessed with feeling good. You know what God's most interested in? Are you being good? Is your character changing? Okay? So you can think about it this way. Have you ever heard this analogy? You can either focus on building resume skills or eulogy values. Does anybody know what a eulogy is? It's a speech, very similar to what I'm giving now, but it's a speech at a funeral. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, about a year and a half ago, my grandfather passed away. And I had the distinct honor, okay, to actually give the funeral speech or the eulogy. And in sense, what I was doing is I was summarizing the life of a man who lived to 90. And guess what I didn't mention? I didn't mention his net worth. I didn't mention the size of his company. I didn't mention all the organizations that he volunteered with. Instead, what I talked about, okay, was not his resume, but his character, that he was a kind man, that he was faithful, that he was a man of his word, that he had high integrity. And then I talked about relationships. I talked about the people, his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren that he impacted. So instead of building the resume, focus on your character. And then third, instead of selling yourself to the highest bidder, what if you were to give yourself away to the highest cause? Now, just think for a moment. Just ponder this. Think of like the most miserable, negative, glass-half-empty people you know. What are they usually living for? Themselves. Themselves, are they not? And then on the flip side, think of the most like joyful, positive, exciting people you know. Usually, they're living for something greater than themselves. It could be their sports team. It could be a social justice issue. It could be a certain cause, their family, or it could be God. There's nothing greater than God. But it's people who get wrapped up in something bigger than themselves who actually find happiness. See, here's the irony of happiness. If you seek happiness in itself, guess what? You'll never find it. But if you live for something greater, you actually find happiness. And this is actually what Jesus taught. Jesus says this, the only way to find true joy is to what? Deny yourself. Deny yourself. Because we were made to live for God and for other people. So here's what you need to hear. Students of Berry College, I want to say this clearly. You are not what you do. You are not what you own. You are not defined by what others think of you. And so what we're going to explore this semester in Campus Outreach is a different identity that is not based on your career, your possessions, or your reputation. Now let's think about just this just for a moment as we wrap up. Because our culture would say these things are vital to being happy. And I would just say, well, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? Have you considered Jesus? 
Let's think about Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do? Rather, what did he not do? Jesus never wrote a book. Now, there's books written about Jesus, but he was never an author. Jesus never held political office. Jesus never got a college degree. Jesus never traveled more than 200 miles away from his hometown. What did Jesus own? Rather, what did he not own? He never owned a home. He never had a family, a spouse, or kids. So by default, Jesus never had intercourse. What did Jesus, people think about Jesus? Would you know this? The Bible actually describes him. It says that he had no beauty that people would desire him. Meaning physically, he was pretty plain. At the end of Jesus' life, he had 72 ride-or-die followers. That's fewer people that are in this room. And most of the people in the crowd, they didn't love Jesus, adore Jesus. They screamed this out. They said, crucify him. Kill him. Put him on the cross. Jesus was born in an obscure village. He was a child of a poor man and a poor woman. He was a carpenter for 33 years, or for 30 years of his life. And for three years, he was a traveling preacher. And yet, if you were to ask me, Ben, who is the most fulfilled, most satisfied, happiest individual who's ever walked planet Earth? I would say who? Jesus, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And in fact, there are two billion people on planet Earth who would say that Jesus is the source of their happiness today. Let me talk about one more guy, and this is where we'll wrap it up. Okay, not Jesus, another J name. Let's talk about Johnny. Okay, let's go to the next one. Let's talk about Johnny. Anybody watch this documentary yet on Netflix? Okay. How many of you are like freshmen and you're like, I got big goals. I'm taking Barry College by storm. Okay. There we go. We we got somebody who's motivated. And look, you might say like, I'm getting a 4.0. I'm going to be SGA president. I'm like starting on my team. I'm forming a new club. Let, Let me tell you about Johnny Manziel and his first semester on college. See, Johnny Manziel grew up in Tyler, Texas, small town in Texas. He was about five foot nine, shorter than me. Under-recruited high school quarterback, gets a scholarly to Texas A&M to be an Aggie. We got an Aggie in the back? Okay, there we go, fire me up. All of a sudden, okay, Johnny Manziel wins the starting job in the SEC as a freshman. Middle of the season, they go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama to face Nick Saban. Okay, you're not going to be cheering in just a moment. Because Johnny Manziel does the unthinkable. He beats Bama. There we go. We've been talking about Jesus, and this is the first thing that gets a round of applause here. That's jacked up. I don't care about Alabama. I just want them to lose. Okay. Well said. Well said. But, but let me tell you about this. We said happiness comes from what you do and what you own and what people think. Here's what Johnny, Johnny Manziel did his first year. What did he do? He beat Bama, and he won the Heisman Trophy. No freshman had ever done it at that point. What did he own? In fact, not only did he own a Heisman, he, he started taking the private jet flights all over the country. At one point, he's sitting courtside with Drake at a Miami Heat, Heat uh, game. This guy's still 18. What did people think about him? He goes to a party later on that night. 
Jamie Foxx and Justin Timberlake, they're like, we want to meet you. Okay? In fact, he gets a nickname. His nickname is what? Johnny Football. The whole sport identifies with him. And yet, what does Johnny say at the end of his first year? He says, I was completely empty. He says, I have everything you could have ever wanted. I got money, I got fame, I'm a first round draft pick, battling for a starting quarterback position. And when I got everything that I wanted, it was the most empty I've ever felt inside. Maybe Jesus knows something that our culture hasn't figured out. Because our culture says, sell yourself to the highest bidder. But what did Jesus do? He gave himself to the highest cause. He gave himself to the highest cause. And the highest cause is this. This is what we'll unpack for the next couple weeks in campus outreach. Notice this, we talk a lot about Jesus. Because we believe that Jesus is the only source of abundant life. Eternal life. The good life. The satisfied life. And here's what we know about Jesus. Okay? The, the, the greatest cause is that we can be reunited with God the Father. There's just one problem. God's perfect. He's holy. He's righteous. He's set apart. And you know what? You and I just aren't. And the only way that we can be reunited is if Jesus gave himself. And he gave himself up by dying on a cross. I'm sure you heard the story. But it says this, when Jesus walked up the hill that he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Do you see this? Where did Jesus find his joy? What was the source of his fulfillment? It was being obedient to the Father and living for a highest cause. So Barry students, okay? Instead of making good grades, building your resume, I want to ask you to do this. Would you consider making good friends, building your character, and giving yourself to the highest cause? And just do it with us. Do it with this community. You can't do it alone. And maybe then, and only then, will you find true happiness before you graduate Mary. Thank you.